0: Hey, everybody, how are you doing? And welcome to the Focus on Greatness podcast. I am your host, Haim Roche. And on this platform, it is men helping men redefine greatness through service. In today's conversation, I'm going to be talking with the man that wrote this book right here, Rebound Forward, a very powerful book. Um, and his name is Randy Brown powerful book that I know that will be impactful because it has an impactful story giving the highs and the lows um, from a man that was, I would say, in a very successful area of his life, being a college coach. And so I know that this conversation is going to be impactful. Don't jump off just because you might be a man that says, hey, listen, I'm really not into sports. Um, But I promise you this man's story is going to inspire, give you the tools that you need to not only go through the hard moments, but be able to make it to the other side with a great teaching lesson for others. You don't want to miss it. You ready? Let's go and let's dive in i do want to do this uh, randy i want to i want to i want to be able to talk about go back and talk about this height you know the height of your career um and and, and really pull back in reference to that entry conversation um that we had initially and in talking right. about really the height of your career so yeah. we can also kind of pull bring it back to where you know all the things that kind of transpired before we got to this place right. uh, that we're talking to now. Sure. Um, yeah. So so yeah. share with me in reference to you know how this all began like where does the injury look like and then we'll we'll build it out from there. Oh
1: boy you know well I, I decided at a young age that um I love the game of basketball. My dad was a sports writer mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in gymnasiums growing up (laughs) he was great and i just fell in love with the sport Mm -hmm. and pistol pete maravich the great scorer from louisiana state was my idol and i got to meet him when i was 15 years old uh, with my dad Mm -hmm. and then i realized that you can actually coach basketball and that could be your job and Mm -hmm. they pay you and i'm like what no (laughs) not for being in the gym Come on, right, right, yeah, (laughs) well, I knew at a pretty young age, just what I wanted to do, and, and so I went to college to be a, to be a high school and uh, coach and teacher, Hmm. and that's what I set out to do, I did for three years, but in the back of my mind, I'd seen enough college basketball, been exposed to enough of it, that I, man, did I get, I got hooked. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, I don't know how I can ever do this. Mm -hmm. But if there's a way, I'm going to give it my best shot. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I tried Mm. and be a high school coach. And I got fortunate and I did. And I, I learned a lot about networking without really knowing really what I was doing, but I was doing some of the right things. And I got it. I got a call from the University of Arizona after just hounding them for about three years to come as a graduate assistant to be the graduate assistant. And this was 1985. So I left teaching and coaching at the high school level and, and went to the the highest level because Lou Olson was now their head coach. And they were at a high national level national program. And then it was just like a dream. It really was. And so. The guy guy coaching the Golden State Warriors uh, was on our team, Steve Kerr. Wow. The National National Player of the Year, 1988, Sean Elliott, Mm -hmm. who won an NBA title for the Spurs and his jersey hangs down in the the arena for the Mm -hmm. Spurs. Sean Mm -hmm. was on our team. Kenny Lofton, who played uh, for the Cleveland Indians Mm -hmm. and I think a couple other major league baseball teams and could steal a base. Like nobody Mm -hmm. was on our team.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Judd Bushler who won two NBA titles with the bulls. He was on the team with Steve Kerr, with Michael Jordan, with Pippen, with all those guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so two guys I coached were, were on that run, that, that, that six title run with the bulls and, um, and then one of our uh, one of our players who who didn't play a, a lot, mm-hmm. but is an assistant with the Warriors. He and Steve were C and Steve Kerr were college roommates. His name is Bruce Frazier. Then he got into coaching with Steve when Steve mm-hmm. got into coaching out Golden mm-hmm. State. He's been with him the whole time. Yeah, I, somebody said they added added them up, and they were like, I don't know that that whole group of guys. Um, it's like 17 NBA world championships. Wow. Because Kerr's got nine himself as right, a player right. and a coach.
2: Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm.
1: so yeah. how lucky am I, right? Yeah. That's my <laughs> first exposure to college basketball. And wow. it was like no high I've ever felt uh-uh. mm. going in every day and being able to do that. Yeah. And work with world class coaches. I mean, all of our coaches assistant coaches in that program became head coaches at the division one level.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, of course, coach Olson was, is in the Naismith hall of fame. So that, that began a a 20 year college coaching career for me. And one of my goals was to be a a college assistant coach at the division one level, which I accomplished. Mm -hmm. My second goal was to become a head coach at the Division One level, which I accomplished at, at Stetson University in Florida.
2: Okay, okay.
1: My third goal, here I am 22 making these goals. like, <laughs> like <there's nothing laughs> but you're knocking right.
0: them out, though. You was knocking them out, though.
1: Like it's nothing. <laughs> Number three was I want to coach in the Final Four. Here mm. I am, a high school JV coach. And I'm like, third goal is I want to coach in the Final Four. Yeah, that sounds good. I think I can do that. <laughs> Well, lo and behold, in two thousand, and and we were highly ranked. We were in the top five um, mm-hmm. most of the year. We won the Big Twelve. We were thirty-two and five that year. Mm-hmm. We end up in the Elite Eight game mm-hmm. with Michigan State in two thousand. Winner goes to the Final Four, and they were already saying the winner of this Elite Eight game will be will be the pick to win the national title at the Final Four.
2: Hmm. Okay. That's okay. how
1: good we were. So I'm at the height of my career. Yeah. And close game as a close game can be. Oh, hmm. my gosh. And it came down to some big plays. There was one block charge call that didn't go our way. They hmm. hit two big shots, one in transition and and one off a second shot. And next thing you know, it's seven. and And, and we just couldn't. We just couldn't overcome it. You talk about heartbreak. Yeah. And yeah. and there's my goal. And I didn't know it that night, but that mm. was the last time I'd ever play in an elite elite eight game. Wow. Yeah. So I would never I'd never be able to accomplish goal three, but mm. we came as close as you could possibly become. So we yeah. were you, I mean, I, I just remember thinking how I don't know how it happened, but my, we are on the top of the of the heap here. Mm-hmm. And I had been I'd been in the profession almost 20 years. And just, man, the, the gratitude I have now is, is greater than the gratitude I had then, because time mm-hmm. has a way of creating that that vision, that perspective for you. Yeah. But we yeah. were there. We, we were. Uh, you know, we were. Uh, wow, we were second seed in the tournament, um, like I say, top five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And And mm-hmm. if Michigan State and it did end up winning it, by the way, so the so they were they were right. Whoever won our game was going to go into the final four, win two and and win the title. That was what they called the Flintstones. They had a lot mm-hmm. of guys from that Flint, Michigan area. Yeah. Team Cleves and all those guys, Mo, Mo Peterson and a great a great team. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's where I am. That's where I am with my career. Yeah, Um, I I still had a couple years to go, Mm -hmm. Um, and then the bottom was going to fall out. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that at the time. I just just really just relishing into what was going on and feeling so fortunate. I was the kid that was eight years old at a high school basketball practice that decided (laughs) he wanted to be a coach that day. Right, right. I am. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Very blessed. Very blessed.
0: Yeah, which I'm great. I mean, again. You know goal after goal um desire after desire you know you literally see yourself walking into these things that you wanted to achieve and you know just things that you were passionate about um and we're putting in the work to be able to achieve and you watched yourself over these years you know walk yourself into those pieces And so um, it's just listening to it, it's like, man, uh, you know, I need to, I might need to set me some higher goals for myself. (laughs) And, uh, but, but it's, but it's exciting to be able to hear those things. Um, But I want to, I do want to ask this question in reference to when in the midst of all of those things, um, your own personal challenges, when did those started to transpire? Um, to kind of walk us to where we, where we currently are today.
1: All right. So like I said, in 85, I started at Arizona and then we worked our way through Arizona, North Dakota, Wisconsin, Ohio, Florida, Mm -hmm. and back to Iowa. So that was our journey. So we were in Ohio in, in, um, in early nine in, in the early nineties. So it was 91. Um, so the fall of 92, you know, yeah. life's just, life has a tremendous way, uh, about it. You know, mm-hmm. adversity sneaks up on us. It comes in yeah. little packages, big packages.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, 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 it can be so brutal and devastating that people take their own lives. Yeah. They just can't overcome yeah. the pain. Yeah. Um, and it never adversity never takes a vacation, right? Right. In fact, it's true. always it's it's always over in the corner doing push-ups when it's not <laughs> needed. Yeah. And so I actually left for uh, um, our, our four year old daughter Meredith, our oldest, our firstborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had her birthday uh, that weekend, so it, she was four years and a day old. I left for practice on a, on a, just a regular day, leaving for practice. And
2: yeah.
1: And um, about an hour into practice, a guy came to got to get me a, a security guard from mm-hmm. the campus and, and said you, Randy Brown, I'm out on the floor actually in the middle of a drill and I
2: mm-hmm.
1: guys like in my way, like get off my floor. Right. <laughs> right. This entitled coach I am, you know, <laughs> And he called me by name and it scared me. Mm -hmm. He said, you need to come with me. And I did. And I got in the car and I'm asking questions and he's got no answers because he's not
2: Mm.
1: not saying a thing. Right. And he took me to the local hospital, the Methodist Hospital in Oxford, Ohio, where I found my wife in the emergency room um, Mm. next to our daughter who was lying in the bed and and she had passed.
2: Hmm. Mm-mm-mm.
1: And uh you're good. Uh she at home had amazingly just kind of like slipped, she was on the stool and mm-hmm four-year-old so you know four-year-old kid you know right right Mm take care of themselves right and she but she kind of slipped through the slipped through the stool well what was happening was Hmm. she had some flu symptoms but nothing major but we didn't know there was a rare disease that kicked in that we didn't know anything about wow and it started to attack her body and started to attack her muscles and she kind of just kind of like i say slipped through the through the toilet there and, and yell for my wife and she grabbed her and absolutely had no idea what was going on and rushed to the hospital. So it happened like really, really fast. Mm. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to her, my daughter and telling her some things that I had to tell her, not knowing whether she heard him or not. I'm always Mm going to believe that she did. Okay. And I'll have a chance to ask her someday. And in that moment, that unthinkable moment mm-hmm. where things all, all of a sudden got really soupy and really foggy. And and I'm thinking, I, I just, I, I don't, you just can't function hardly. And nothing at that point would ever be the same. Wow. Wow. So wow. you try to rally from that. Yeah. Well, how do you do that? You know, you're the man of the family. You're, you're the leader of the family. And yeah. I'd seen some things in my life, but now I'm, I'm, I'm still a pretty young guy. And I hadn't, I hadn't seen a lot. I certainly hadn't seen death of a child, right. let alone right. my child. Yeah. And you can't reach for a manual to follow steps one, two, three, four, five. Right.
0: That's for real.
1: There's nothing there. And there's nothing yeah. except your parents. And if you're lucky enough to have your parents in that moment, it's a real blessing because you talk about comfort. Oh my gosh, and it's like you've turned three again, and your mom's there. Mm-hmm. It's an mm-hmm. Unreal experience, and your dad, yeah. and my parents, mom and dad, and yeah. um. Then you just try to to move forward. You just try to take a second at a time. And so, whoo, boy. Um, yeah. Mm, mm, and, mm, and, and then I remember thinking that all, all of our other kids and we had one other child at the time and mm-hmm. all, all our other kids were going to be okay because the odds of losing a child are pretty small. Right. If, we, if we've already lost one,
2: hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm like, I remember thinking this, that, uh, that the odds are uh, I at least I'm not going to have to go through this again. Right. Right. I remember having that. I remember having that thought. And we had moved to Florida for a job where I'd become the head coach at Stetson. Mm-hmm. And so three years after we lost our Meredith in uh, in 92, Claire gets sick in Orlando and she's four years old and wow. we end up at the children's hospital in Orlando the Arnold Palmer children's hospital mm-hmm. I mean a great place to be yeah and she's hospitalized three times the third time death I mean just it was imminent I I swear that kid just was resolved to to not die mm-hmm. same disease same fast acting Mm -hmm. And it ravaged her body. Just ravaged it. But she made it. She made it. Wow. And I remember going back. I remember going back, getting out of the hospital, going back to work, thinking, Mm -hmm. you got to be kidding me. And I'm still asking Mm -hmm. why, of course, from Meredith. And now I'm starting to ask another whole set of whys. Yeah. Yeah. And... but we we did all we knew. I mean, you got to live, man. Yeah. You got to move forward. You got to right. see the good in each day.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I I I I had already seen a difference in myself. Maybe not as happy, maybe not one to laugh at things and and mm-hmm. I don't know, just a little bit of a seriousness maybe just fell over me. Mhm. Uh, after, after um, uh, Claire's situation, but but she made it. Yeah. And we had our fourth child, Jane, in mm-hmm. in Florida, and the three, the five of us moved back to Iowa. And three years later, it's 1998, and our third daughter, uh, Natalie, after a beautiful day playing in the snow, it was mm-hmm. February of '98. And she's at home watching TV with her two sisters and without flu symptoms. just She wow. just started to look funny. 911, hmm. get her to the local hospital. She was life flighted to Iowa City. And by the time we had somebody drive us to Iowa City, it was too late. Wow. wow. I don't remember much about that whole thing. I remember picking up the closest thing I could that was loose and it was a telephone mm-hmm. um, and I threw it against the wall and that's, that's about all I remember. It was wow. really foggy. It was foggy. I remember the docs coming out and saying they, they just, they tried everything. So we later found <laughs> out Man. that it was a rare disease Mm -hmm. And it's a type of rhabdomyolysis. Okay. And none of this, none of this mattered because we hadn't been able to save two of our children. Right. And as parents, you ought to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. At least that's what we felt, but it was so fast acting. You could hardly get them there in time. And in 98, this happened to be the only year in 20 years I didn't coach. I was gone, man. I had checked out.
2: Mm, mm, I was mm,
1: I was mm. in bodily form,
2: mm-hmm.
1: mentally, and I was also depressed, and I didn't know it because I hadn't gone and see the doctor. I did had not got that diagnosis yet,
2: right? But right. it wasn't
1: any, it wasn't no surprise to me when I did get it. And and um, the difference between my wife and I is they say everyone grieves differently, and they're right. Mm-hmm. Everybody their own way of grieving
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I put my own spin on that and my wife grieved in a very healthy way okay. very healthy way and I'm not saying she didn't hurt worse than I hurt I can't mm-hmm. you, know, yeah. you know grades on that but right. she was really able to she's such a strong woman she was able to continue because I continued to work
2: mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. took
1: me it, it it wasn't until that next year, but I, I I couldn't have coached. I couldn't have done anything. Right. I couldn't have moved orange cones around for ten minutes. I swear. Yeah. And and I knew I knew I had a decision to make because I I just could hardly function. Yeah. And I had I had suicidal ideation. I mean I or, I thought about what that might be like. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I did because nothing added up. Yeah. I asked why. I was so angry with God, the one who loves us and died for us and was to protect us. Yeah. It just didn't, from being in church school, man, it just mm-hmm. didn't add up. Right. And so I faked it, man, but I was so disconnected from friends, from my faith, from my wife, from my family. I tried like, tried really hard in front of my kids yeah. and I was home with them every day that year. And that was a tough, tough, tough year. So I started to make some decisions and I had already made the decision, Hiram, to, um, uh, to lean on alcohol as a friend, Mm -hmm. Uh, a friend who could numb me, who could, who could help remove the pain who for at least for a respite of time would allow me to, to not think about the death of our, our beautiful kids and just the pain that came with it. Right. Yeah. And Mm. I had also for Mm. since 92. So for six years, I, I had started to work extreme amounts of time Mm -hmm. Um, during Mm -hmm. the season, more nights past midnight than not. Now, were they I mean, as, as productive as they should have been? No, but I was in a place where there was some comfort. I always loved the office. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it was, I was the only one there, but that was all right with me. I always loved the office. I I, I loved being able to just put on tape and just really study the game and
2: mm-hmm. you know, writing mm-hmm.
1: a and report or, or work on some recruiting. Right. Because I didn't have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be so tired by the time I got home. I, I'd fall in bed and sleep or fall asleep in the chair with something on TV and get up in the morning and do it all over again. Yeah. So I was craving. Comfort. Yeah. And then I made a really, really crucial mistake. And I even knew I was making a crucial mistake. Mm-hmm. Um alcohol is pretty accepted in our world. Mm -hmm. Abuse of it and driving under the influence of it isn't. Right. Accepted, but it's pretty common. Yeah. So I decided having, having got a, uh, a desktop home computer for the first time you were able to get them in, in your home and Mm -hmm. have, have the computer. And, and I looked at that computer and just invented a way to, take more pain away and I started to access eventually pornography on the computer wow and every second of it knowing it was the wrong thing to do in so many different ways
2: yeah yeah
1: and for six and a half years that's one of the ways Hmm. that I used to run away from reality the reality of Losing our kids and feeling a lot of pain. Yeah. And it was just it was just so wrong. It was just the wrong thing to do. And <laughs> you know, if there's something you like that you're you would be embarrassed to have anybody else know, mm. or it it be would be immoral, mm. or it would eventually be illegal, you do find ways. I say you, mm-hmm. I found ways to at least mentally and emotionally make those things okay by rationalizing and justifying the fact that I was, I, I was owed, I was owed this. Yeah. Now I'm not thinking about the fact that, that we're victimizing we're victimizing people when when we access pornography because it's right. a supply and demand deal like everything else out there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know mm-hmm. that at the time. I didn't even want to know that at the time. I just want to know it made me feel better. Right. 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 And so you got the guy. And so shortly after this, in our story, I, I get on at Iowa state university, which we've, which we've talked about mm-hmm. you know, just a high mark in uh, in a, great time in my career in my life yeah except the fact that i'm i'm living the second identity of the guy who's just searching for comfort
2: yeah
1: um i didn't eat for long periods of time wow i just it was weird it was i got very little sleep wow but we worked monster days mm-hmm. burned a lot of energy every day and i was right had to be running on fumes because there there just wasn't there wasn't i wasn't putting much healthy into my body that's for sure right um but i think as as i understand the way things work in this world Mm -hmm. and i know that i understand how god works Mm -hmm. that there are things that happen that don't don't they look like a piece of a puzzle that there's no way that's going to snap into any spot on that puzzle? Right. But when they do, you realize, usually looking back, that some things were supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. What was supposed to happen was I was supposed to lose my entire livelihood and coaching career, right? Because One day working on a scouting report, I had had two guys walk in my office and they looked pretty serious, coat and tie. And they said they were there to to talk to me about some issues and that they were U.S. postal inspectors. And I thought they wanted to look at the mail.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Honestly, I didn't know what that meant. Right. No, they wanted to talk to me. So I, so I finally... Come on in. And in about 10 seconds, I knew why they were there. Mm -hmm. I knew I would probably never coach the great game of basketball again in my life. Wow. Unless I picked up the phone, called my attorney and took that route. Something Mm -hmm. in my mind and in my body. And I think it through my faith would, Mm -hmm. would not allow me to pick that phone up. Because at that time, they told me that uh, they'd received a call and started an investigation and were mm. monitoring my activities on the internet mm. and gave me some particulars like user, user ID and, and things like that.
2: Right, right.
1: And in that moment, I had a decision to make. Either I was going to continue to run for it by having an attorney get me out of it.
2: Mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm.
1: Or I was going to fess up and my, I'll never forget my, my body, my mind and my body just screamed mm. it's over. It's over, Rover. <laughs> Let these guys take over. Right. Right. I got No more answers. Yeah. I remember leaning yeah. back on my chair a little bit. And I, I remember saying, what would you guys need from me? And i had made a decision That I was so stinking tired of living a life Mm, 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 mm. that I didn't respect, that I knew was wrong, Mm. and I had even done some illegal things Mm -hmm. in the the process, that it was worth all of what was coming down the road for me, which I couldn't fathom but I knew it was not going to be good. Right. Right. But It was worth. And, and I, as I mentioned to you, I felt, I really kind of felt like I was dragging around a dead man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was that extra, extra weight. And it was shameful weight. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just regular weight. It was shameful, horrible weight. Mm. And for six and a half years, I had lugged that around trying to keep myself, Sane enough to be able to live and be a dad and work. And I know that sounds like a big time excuse, but I pursued those things. Yeah. Because oh, it man. just hurt like hell. Yeah. And in that moment, I gave it up, man. I gave it all up to him. Yeah. And um, it manifested itself in a two year uh, prison sentence in medium security federal mm. prison. Uh, in 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 North Carolina, and I had coached my last basketball game. Yeah, and it was over, man. And mm. so much of that, I feel, was supposed to happen. And certainly, mm-hmm. when I did get to prison, based on the on, on the fact of what happened while I was there,
2: mm-hmm. I,
1: I I knew why it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I really did. Yeah. And it's Yeah. Mm. I can uh I can smile about it now.
0: Yeah. Now so, what would you what would you tell that um that man that might not be um he might be at the door. He might be grieving. He might be hurting. He might be carrying a lot. What would you tell him and what suggestions would you tell him um, at this stage from your
1: own personal lessons? Through my personal lesson and my personal experience, Hiram, I I would tell him this. I would say at some point, if you decide Hmm. to run from this, at some point. And I don't care what it is. There are a million things we can get involved in mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are running. Right. No, they don't have to be illegal. They can be. But they can be very unhealthy if they're anything. Yeah. At some point, I would tell him, I know this for a fact, you are going to reach a point where it would be okay to cut your losses and come free. Mm-hmm. there's also going to be in that moment where you have a chance to cut your losses.
2: Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. also
1: not fess up and you continue right on the path that you're on. What happened to me in my mind, I remember cause I entertained giving this up all right. the time. Yeah. And I remember I got to the point where I thought it was so big. I was into it so far
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that,
1: what the heck? I'm just going to keep it to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And do I really want to, I mean, how embarrassing is it going to be to tell anybody or everybody or, and it wouldn't have been,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I came this far twice from giving it up. Mm. I, 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 it was that heavy and I didn't, I hung on to it. I was too embarrassed to tell somebody it was, it's been three and a half years. I've been looking at pornography in chat rooms, doing doing activities, you know, doing things on the internet and, and accessing pornography. And I didn't. And three became four, which became five, which became five and a half, which became six, which became six and a half. I had my chances every day. I had a chance. That's what I would tell them. And I would just say, Based on my experiences, what I would have done is very early on, I would have got my closest, dearest friend, I would, I would recommend to him, Yeah, and you call him, and you wrap your arms around that guy, and you give them a hug to where they quit breathing almost, hmm. and your friend is going to say, what's up, man? Right, right. What is up? What's going on? And in that moment, you can break that cycle. You can yeah. snap it and it's over. Yeah. Now, you own everything that's happened to that point.
2: Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm.
1: also have a new starting point. Yeah, I elected not to do that. I will promise you that everybody mm-hmm. r- reaches that point. Yeah, And I remember telling myself, no, nah, it's too heavy. I don't want to give it up now. I'd have way too much to explain. My gosh, all this stuff. Plus, I'm not going to get caught. Right. Millions of people on the internet every night. Right?
2: Mm -hmm. I had a list.
1: I had, you know, I've written down a list of all the things that helped me justify what I was doing. It's a crazy, it's a stupid list. It's just crazy. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That I could actually, (laughs) that I could actually deceive myself that bad. Right. Right. <laughs> We're capable of a lot of self deception, though. Yeah, we are. We really are. We really, really are. Um, really but are. at the same time, I, I knew what the truth was. Right. You know, I didn't yeah. deceive myself 100%. No, no, no. I deceived myself enough to give myself the courage to continue to do what I knew wasn't right. But I knew. Yeah. yeah. I knew what was right and I knew what was wrong. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, you, the, person watching or listening to this conversation, you might be a person where you say, well, you know, my entry wasn't because of a passing of a loved one, Um, you know, but you know that you have found yourself in some form of cycle that is not helpful, that is not positive, it's not good for you, nor is it good for those around you. And I hope and pray that through this conversation that me and Randy has just had, um, that it becomes an eye-opener and that you take the time before you go down the hill, before you go too deep down your hole. I pray that you take the time to do as Randy said and go find that friend, go find that help go find that person that you can be able to release and get this out so that you don't have to find yourself in areas and in places that you don't want to end up in Um, you know I, i i am so grateful randy for this conversation i'm grateful for your example as well as your transparency in all that you have went through And I'm grateful that you have come through the on the other side, Um, you know, because there are people, there are men that don't get that don't come out in wholeness, Um, you know. And so I'm grateful that you did. I'm grateful that you were able to now share your story, continue to through your different various of ways, um, make sure that you're sharing your story and helping men. Around the world to be able to hear this message. And I hope that the same way that you have been able to now sit back and watch those that you have trained and developed in sports, and now you're sitting back and you're watching how they are and how they have grown to become these, you know, these stars in some form. I hope and pray that you'll be able to see the same impact through the story that you have in your living today. And thanks for saying that.
1: Yeah. And that's that's really my impetus for wanting to do this. Why I'll tell you one thing I will not do is I will not leave this earth with a gift in my pocket. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. It doesn't, first of all, it doesn't belong to me. Right. I mean, right. it got right. gifted to me, but it's meant to give away. Yes. It it's is. not meant to hold yeah. on to. Yes, sir. Yes, and, sir. and if I do anything in this world, I I, I will share that gift. That's yes, my commitment. And it's really a, a sort of a personal level commitment to my children too. Yeah. That they know that, um, this has been a painful journey, you know, for them and, and my wife and, and, mm-hmm. uh, um, It has to stand for something. Yeah. It has to mean something.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: Yes, sir. And so that's that's why I write. That's why I talk to fellows like you who are are so committed to to passing on, you know, great lessons and words to others. You're doing the same thing. And that's why I do it, because it's not my gift.
0: Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for having this conversation with me. Um, Thank you for allowing us to learn about your story, um, gain the wisdom from your story and continue to do what you're doing. Continue to share that gift. Continue to allow more men to be able to experience and have the opportunity to learn from your gift. Life is choice. So choose properly.
1: Uh, Yes, and choose a great life. You can have it. Whatever you desire and choose is what you'll
0: have. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So thank Thank you. Yes, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. And as always, continue to be great. Thank you all for watching this video. My heart is, and then I don't do this for myself, make sure that i am doing this for you to bring you the tools that you need so you can walk in your greatness so continue with me every monday 6 30 p.m central standard time as well as you can make sure that you listen to me on all podcast platforms and let's continue to grow this greatness tribe